0: so happy because today I found my friends. They're in my head. I'm so ugly. That's okay because so are you.
1: Aw, buddy. Thanks. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
0: that is uh, a lyric from a Nirvana song, which is also a uh, little clue to today's episode topic.
1: Oh, exciting.
0: My name is Nick Amel. I'm the host of the Tennis Podcast. I have several friends in my head, including the voice on the other end, which is Anna Keller. Anna, how are you?
1: I'm great. I'm in Nick's head on location
0: (laughs) (laughs) i like that on location and you've always been on location every time we record that works out yeah you don't have to travel very far anna remind the folks real quick who you are
1: hello i'm anna i am from the freudian sips podcast it's a podcast that i do with me and my mom oh we woke up when i mentioned my mom nick's a real big fan of my mom (laughs) yeah Uh, Yeah, we talk about psychology and um, all kinds of weird brain stuff, and it's really fun.
0: Anna, you have been a regular. You were most recently on episode 190, where we did the most famous paintings. But before that, we did a couple episodes on stuff that was a little more in line with your kind of full-time job, which is... a
1: job and stuff, yeah, which is psychology. Yeah, I think I brought the list the first couple times and it was horrendously boring and you sat through it all and then you got to punish me with an art list. You're being very kind to me.
0: I'm punishing (laughs) everyone, including myself (laughs) today.
1: We're both punishing everyone. (laughs) (laughs) The listeners are punishing themselves.
0: Yeah, every time they listen. But you have quite the feat today because we're covering a pretty uh, a bummer of a topic. So I'm going to need your help in, <laughs> <Love it. laughs> in lightening things up.
1: <laughs> we have to do that on our podcast all the time. Mom and I talk about that all yeah. the time where we're like, we're talking about really deep, dark brain stuff. How do we make this funny? So I'm ready.
0: Yeah. I hope someday our show can be funny. Someday. I'm still working on that. We'll get there. Today, we're talking about the top 10 most commonly diagnosed mental illnesses.
1: Oh, it's exciting and also a bit upsetting because cool. that's probably what I would have done the next time I brought a list for you. So, we're just going to have to get out of, out of where I was going to go. Okay, cool.
0: So, the next time you're here, just open like your favorite foods or something. We're just going to have to get out of brain territory <laughs> totally. we're out of ideas. Nothing
1: <laughs> about brains, nothing about <laughs> art. I'm going to pick something I know nothing about. Perfect.
0: So, like I said, this is going to be a bummer of an episode because mental illness is sad and it's scary. <laughs> but we're going to cover kind of what these mental illnesses are, but also some treatment options for you. And you're going to keep me honest today, Anna, because you know more about this stuff than I do. So, number of sources here. I got our definitivehealthcare.com, the World Health Organization, talkspace.com, hopkinsmedicine.org medicalnewsbulletin.com, and when all else fails, Wikipedia. (laughs) Always. Yeah.
1: You're very good at sources. You're way better at sources than I am. I'm just like, it's on the internet. It's got to be real. Trust me.
0: Well, the beauty of it is, I can say whatever the fuck I want. No one even (laughs) knows if these sources exist.
1: They're not going to look it up. They're not going to look it up, guys.
0: Every (laughs) list I've ever done is ad-libbed, by the way. I don't even have notes. I just start going. And no one's questioned me yet. Hashtag Nick's
1: Notes are are not real. (laughs) Hashtag Nick's Notes are all improvised.
0: Hashtag Nick's Notes are all up here in the the brain.
1: (laughs) Where I live, my house.
0: You should have no problem guessing these because you live amongst Nick's Notes. They're your roommates.
1: I am the top 10 of your mental illnesses. So we've got this covered.
0: (laughs) Number one, Brandon. Number two, Dr. Buster. (laughs) Number three through 10, Anna Keller.
1: That is so true. Oh, (laughs) as you
0: might have guessed, Anna, since Mm -hmm. you're in this field, it was kind of hard to find a definitive list. Yeah, different lists, different data points.
1: That seems like it would be tough.
0: I had to kind of piecemeal a bunch of different research together to come up with what I think is a pretty accurate list. So that's why there's so many sources.
1: And that's kind of what we do in research anyway, when it comes to psychology is we just kind of take the generalization. That's why we have a bunch of it. That's why mm-hmm. there's a lot. So sometimes the a lot can be very confusing.
0: So if I'm hearing you right, I am now a certified psychologist.
1: Yeah, I think you might actually have a PhD by now, because you looked up like more than I three mean, sources.
0: If I've been doing this is episode number 204. And if you're not PhD by 204 episodes of this shit, then what are we even doing here?
1: You're at least a PhD in podcasting for sure.
0: It's brought me so much wealth and fame. And I'm so, <laughs> so Joy, glad to have meaning,
1: done it. purpose, all of it. All <laughs> of it is yours. And it can be yours yes. too if you start podcasting.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, this list is ranked based on the worldwide percentage living today with each illness. Okay. Right up front, we are not doctors, we are not giving medical advice. This is an entertainment podcast. Leave us alone. Don't come after us.
1: <laughs> Even if we're wrong, just trust us. It's fine.
0: Yeah. It's fine. It, well, how could it be wrong if it's coming from hashtag Nick's Notes, all right?
1: Exactly. Infallible.
0: Absolutely. Anna, how many people would you say are living today with a mental disorder? Just off the top of your head.
1: 99%. <laughs> I, I probably <laughs> well, it's probably lower than that. I was having a conversation like we, we use the term neurotypical. in in psychology where that means you don't have any mental illnesses and honest to god i don't think there's anyone especially in like our society right now that that is not true if there that's true for so i would say the number of actually neurotypical people probably they say it's like 50 60 maybe
0: yeah well and that's a that's a huge key because Everything we're talking about today is diagnosed Mm -hmm. mental illness. So many people are living with mental illness and they don't even know it, or they do know it and they never do anything about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, how many of us are living with depression and anxiety and it's just part of our life, even if it's not diagnosed? So as far as diagnosed mental disorders in the world today, one in every eight in the world live with a diagnosed mental disorder.
1: Yeah, I would say that sounds so low.
0: Yeah, I think so too. Uh, But an estimated 26% of Americans age 18 and older suffers from a diagnosable mental disorder in a given year.
1: That's an important thing to remember, too. It's not always like lifetime stuff. It's, I mean, things come and go and diagnoses come and go.
0: Come and go, yeah. But this this is kind of interesting. In 2020, what's the big thing that happened in 2020, Anna?
1: Oh, man, I don't know. I don't think anything happened in 2020. That year's a total blank in my brain. So Yeah. <laughs> oh, the plague. Oh, the plague happened in 2020.
0: Yeah, the plague happened. Black Death 2020.
1: <laughs> Black Death V2.
0: There was a study that said that a, there was a 26% increase in depressive disorders and a 28% mm-hmm. increase in anxiety in just one year due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah. I think also that's low.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Again, it's diagnosed. Again, it's reported. Again, it's like we're all in Mm -hmm. the same boat. How can I be having a thing when we're all doing the same thing?
0: I've touched on this before in past episodes, but I don't think we even fully, we can't fully recognize the impact that COVID-19 is having on the world and society as a whole.
1: Well, that's exactly why. It's because it's still, I mean, like, you know, people are saying we're not in the thick of the plague anymore, but we are still very Mm -hmm. much dealing with the effects and how that has changed our society. And there's, yeah, so much that has yet to settle down. The dust is not even close to settling yet. So Right,
0: right, there's a
1: lot still to go with dealing with that collective trauma.
0: Trauma. That's a great segue. So, Anna. Yeah. You might know a thing or two about this shit, so you better guess all 10 in a row with not a single mistake.
1: Cool. Are there any personality disorders on there? Yeah. Our personality. Okay. I'm not going to start with those. I just this is a fact-finding mission. Okay, I think I'm going to start with autism. Is that on there?
0: Autism is not on here. Interesting. Surprising. Okay. Yeah. And I wonder if that has to do with I mean, I don't know the percentage, but I would think almost every case of autism is diagnosed in children. Mm
1: -hmm. A lot. Which cuts
0: off the population, right? Because now adults are not being diagnosed.
1: Oh, 18 and up. Okay. Got it. Got it. Well, no,
0: not necessarily. But I'm saying because it's not typically diagnosed in adults, that just kind of dwindles its percentage of the total population that could be diagnosed at any one time.
1: Okay. Fair enough, is my theory. Well, since, since we did already talk about trauma, where's PTSD on the list?
0: Yeah, PTSD is on here, and it's high. It is number three in the top mm, ten.
1: Top three, not surprising.
0: Post-traumatic stress disorder. According to my research, it affects 4% of the global population, as far as those that have been diagnosed. It is a mental and behavioral disorder that can develop because of exposure to a traumatic event, such as sexual assault. Warfare, traffic collisions, child abuse, domestic violence, or other threats on a person's life. I told you this episode would be a bummer.
1: (laughs) This one's we're starting let's get the dark one out of the way. Let's get the the deep dark trauma one out of the way.
0: This one's rough. Symptoms may include disturbing thoughts, feelings, or dreams related to the events, mental or physical distress to trauma related cues, alterations in a way a person thinks and feels, and an increase in the fight or flight response. Anna, can you tell us a little bit about the fight or flight?
1: There's actually four. Really? There's not all of them. There's, there's fight, flight, fawn, or freeze. So besides just fight and flight. So fight and flight is when these are just how you respond when you are not even in an actual traumatic situation, but a, a situation that your brain registers as dangerous, basically. It's how we respond to uh-huh. danger when we've been like, trained by trauma. So um, we either fight we fly, which we run away, or we freeze, which that's what it sounds like. We just can't respond. We're kind of in shock. Or we fawn. And that means playing dead. That means, and, and that doesn't necessarily have to mean you fall on the floor, but it could mean like people-pleasing. Yes, you play possum, you people-please, You try, you try to do anything to just kind of shrink away from the situation. So there's actually a lot that, like, I think, especially when we just put it to fight or flight people can go like well i don't really have either of those and the danger that my brain kind of sees is not i wouldn't respond in either of those ways yeah there's it's a lot of, there's a lot of different ways it can look unfortunately
0: the thing about researching this shit today is you know this i am not a psychologist this okay everyone prepare sit down <laughs> this is going to surprise you but i'm not a psychologist i don't have what? a phd
1: you I lied know, to me I
0: <laughs> Well, sometimes I, I got to say what I got to say to get you in that seat to record the show with me.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm a doctor. Um, just come on in. Just just sit. Just <laughs> get in my head. Just come on.
0: You figured it out. But what I was going to say you is... You
1: think I would have known. Yeah, go ahead.
0: Yeah, you have no excuse by this point. But in psychology there's like you 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 look at something like ptsd and you think okay ptsd but no there's like a thousand sub genres of ptsd that are diagnosable
1: is a perfect way to say that yeah yeah because there's like chronic and there's like oh a a, like a big one thing happened to me or there's like PTSD, like you grew up in an abusive household and that's going to look totally different. It's in the collective trauma of the plague that we just went through is going to be totally different, but also still a subset. Oh, it's so much like
0: or people coming back from war.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like that's going to look very different than a different kind of trauma. So it all falls under the same umbrella, but it's a big umbrella.
0: And there's bigger umbrellas we're going to cover today. But I, I also mm. wanted to go back to fight or flight for a minute. I have a story. So in elementary school, I knew this kid and he had a fight or flight response where he was in a fight with a bully and he just started taking off. <laughs> started taking off
1: <laughs> <laughs> Like a little rocket ship. Just <laughs> See,
0: I couldn't even fucking finish it.
1: Amazing. Yeah, he
0: just, <laughs> just started flying. Okay, you don't have to respond.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that kid knows how to get out of situations. hmm
0: Well, it really would be convenient if you could just fucking fly out of a... a, Yeah. Changes everything. (laughs) Here's some fun facts about PTSD. 70% of adults experience at least one traumatic event in their lifetime. I think that's low. 20% of people who experience a traumatic event will develop PTSD. That one sounds more right. 20%.
1: Okay. Yeah, sure.
0: Yeah. PTSD is... Correct me if I'm wrong, that's like a diagnosis that is just based on someone's observation, right? There's no test or...
1: Yeah, yeah, there's no, you know, brain scan for PTSD. It's, it's just, hey, this is a thing that happened to me. Oh, that was a huge trauma. You are dealing with it with PTSD. So, and a lot of these things, there's not going to be tests for them. There's not going to be, we're going to give you a CAT scan and figure out what mental disorder you have. Unfortunately, it is very subjective.
0: Yeah. I went in for a, the doctor recently to get a scan done, and they said they were out of CAT scan, so they gave me a dog scan.
1: You couldn't finish that one either, man.
0: Fucking Anna, look. I told you this was a bummer of an episode, so I am trying my best
1: here. You hear that? That's Nick scraping the bottom of the barrel.
0: <laughs> I'm reaching deep into my dad jokes. You know, bag of tricks here. I'm trying.
1: It was good. That was funny.
0: Okay. Well, this really stood out to me. Worldwide, in most countries, the percent of the population with PTSD is 1% or less. In the United States, it's 9% of the population has PTSD.
1: Yeah, man. We're kind of on fire sometimes. And I don't know.
0: Maybe that's because all of our fucking kids are getting shot every other day at school, yeah. among many other things. But like...
1: The government's always doing something bad. Something bad's happening there, usually. There's a lot. There is a lot to be environmentally stressed out about and traumatized by. So, I don't know. I think people do hesitate to seek help because of that. Because it's just like, well, that's just the world. I don't know. You can still be traumatized by a dude. Right. I give you permission.
0: I think there is some of that where people talk themselves out of even seeking help. Because, mm-hmm. oh, everybody's dealing with this. Or, oh, this is probably nothing. Or, oh, this will probably go away. Or, there's, I feel like there's a stigma against getting treatment because I'll be seen as weak by people mm. that know me or something. You know, these are, these are perceptions people could have. Yeah,
1: I think the younger generation, I'm proud of the younger generation because they are really mm-hmm. breaking that stigma. They are doing a very good job at being very open about talking about mental it's health true. and mental health treatment. So I'm on the hopeful side that the stigma is getting a little easier, or at least not as prevalent. But yeah, it's still it's still like, and there's the finance issue, and there's time, like figuring mm. out how to do it. There's a lot of blocks to mental health treatment but guys please get it if you need it like yeah ask around people will help
0: yeah and i can't think of a single mental illness we're gonna talk about today where this statement is not said but maybe i'm forgetting one but it says ptsd is more common in women than men i think every single mental illness Did on this all list say is that? more common in yeah. women than men yeah
1: <laughs> yeah that's because women report it more
0: Ah, uh, okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I not that. in
1: every case, but usually women are more outwardly emotional and it's easier to, to be open about the stuff that they are experiencing and then it's easier to diagnose them. So usually that's why that is.
0: Well, it goes back to what we were just saying, getting better with the younger generation, with the kids, but men in particular, way worse. They used to be way worse, but even today, there's this like pride thing or mm-hmm. like this, this manly thing. It's like, I need to deal with this by myself. I don't need help or I can't get help.
1: Yeah. That's a huge part of of that toxic masculinity mm -hmm. thing of like, no, I have to be strong so I can't talk about it and I can't get help for it because then I'm not dealing with it like a strong man. So that's Mm -hmm. bogus.
0: Yeah. And it's just important to, if you think you might need help, go get help. I, I go to therapy. I think Anna does too.
1: Absolutely. Everyone should go to therapy.
0: Yeah. I got a whole list of people I know that need therapy. So I'll, I'll refer them to you, my Send God. Send them
1: my business card, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: All right, a few more here, and then we'll move on from PTSD. Symptoms of trauma-related mental disorders have been documented since at least the time of the ancient Greeks. Hmm. I'm proud of the Greeks for that. Yeah. It seems a little progressive. <laughs> but the term post-traumatic stress disorder came into use in the 1970s in large part due to the diagnoses of U.S. military veterans of the mm-hmm. Vietnam War. Yep. Um, And we've already mentioned options for treatment, but counseling especially. I think in some instances, medication is prescribed as well.
1: Mm -hmm. Usually to like lower anxiety and stuff, like anxiety Mm -hmm. reactions.
0: Yep. And we don't like those. So that's number three, PTSD. You have another guess?
1: I have so many guesses. I don't think this will be on the top 10, but is schizophrenia or any of its ilk on the top 10?
0: Well, I think they bucketed them here because it's number nine. Oh,
1: it's it? It is on there. Ooh.
0: It affects up to 0.7% of the global population. 24 million people, roughly, is the estimate. Wow. I don't know if, like, scary is the word, but this one always freaks me out.
1: I think it's one that is portrayed very scarily, usually when it is. And a lot of the stuff about it is very scary to even the people experiencing it. So, yeah, I think scary is a perfect word for that.
0: But you bring up a good point, too, that we should definitely mention, which is there are tons of people living with schizophrenia and they're able to manage it and live a pretty normal life. 24 Doesn't million, mean it sounds like, yeah. Yeah. Does not mean you're always in a padded room. Right. Very rarely, in, in fact.
1: And the like often the media portrays not only schizophrenia, but a lot of mental illnesses as like, oh, that makes you dangerous. It makes you violent. No, it, actually, people with mental illnesses are much more likely to be like the victim of crimes instead of the perpetrator of crimes. So mm-hmm. usually they're, yeah. they're more of like we should be having them as a protected class instead of thinking they're going to just flip out at any moment.
0: Preach, sister.
1: Thanks. It's a soapbox I, I love to get on.
0: Yeah, well, I'm going to give you a chance here because I'm going to talk to you about it. Schizophrenia is a serious mental illness that can cause people to have delusions, hallucinate or show no emotion at all. Individuals with schizophrenia can have difficulty thinking clearly, managing emotions, making decisions, and relating to others. Mm. So the hallucination thing is what I was referring to when I mentioned freaking out. Yeah, uh, Freaked out because it would just be scary to see or hear something that no one else can see.
1: It's scary not to be able to trust your own perception. We rely so much on how we take in information and how we process that information. And if there's a thing that's making it so you can't trust the information that you're processing. That is a huge loss of control. It's so scary.
0: It's like being on a podcast with Dr. Buster. Can't trust a single thing that he says or does.
1: Suddenly, you're losing total control over your own podcast. Suddenly, it's his <laughs> podcast. How did, how did this even happen? No,
0: no, 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 no. Don't even say that. Okay. Don't even speak that into existence. It's interesting to me that the human brain is so complex that it can take Things that aren't real and show them to you, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and make it totally indistinguishable
1: from actual reality.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hallucinations occur at some point in the lifetimes of 80% of those with schizophrenia. It most commonly involves a sense of hearing, like hearing voices, but can sometimes involve other senses like taste, sight, smell, and touch. Hallucinating smell seems unpleasant, mm-hmm. but, but I think burning is a, is a smell that a lot of People, I think I've heard that. It's interesting. Uh, yeah, I
1: haven't even thought about like yeah. like olfactory hallucinations a lot.
0: Mm-hmm. Delusions are bizarre or pers- persecutory. Persecutory. Fucking Jesus. The Help word. me with this word. Persecutory. <laughs> persecutory yeah. Is that it? Uh-huh. Doesn't sound right. Anyway, there are those in nature distortions of self experience, such as feeling as if one's thoughts or feelings are not really one's own thoughts. To believing that thoughts are being inserted into one's mind, sometimes termed passivity phenomena, are also common.
1: Yeah, like they, they think that they're getting transmissions from somewhere, or, or it's being, being you know put it in there by, by a magical means or something like that. That those mm-hmm. they're not their own. Basically,
0: science hasn't really caught up to the to the reality yet, which is that a lot of times these voices people are hearing or these thoughts people are thinking are related to just the overabundance of thoughts and words coming from the body elves inside of our bodies that we can't distinguish
1: it's always them me from in your brain external. actually <laughs> yeah i'm in everyone's brain that
0: makes so much sense
1: <laughs> i'm not nick exclusive
0: oh so you're in other bodies too or other heads yeah, I'm too i'm everywhere man <laughs> wow okay this is a, this is news yeah, breaking news yeah.
1: making me do a little brain cryptid this is fun <laughs> building my mythology <laughs>
0: Wow. Talk about the ego on this one, everyone. Jesus.
1: You gotta go full, um, man. If you're gonna be a dweller of brains, just dwell in all of them.
0: <laughs> yeah. Although the disorder can occur at any age, the average onset tends to be in the late teens and early 20s for men and late 20s to early 30s for women. And that's interesting, too, because schizophrenia, I believe, is the one that is kind of dormant in your body your whole life. Mm-hmm. And it like triggers once you reach a certain yeah. age.
1: Yeah, it, it like manifests. And that can often come from like trauma stuff too, like stress triggers and, and stuff like that.
0: Right. Can kind of shake it. But loose. it can also
1: be hard to know, yeah, when it's coming up and, and stuff like that too. So it is kind of hard to know when it actually starts and when people do start reporting it. So that kind of creates that weirdness with the numbers again.
0: And it, it would be scary to kind of have your whole world turned upside down. God, yeah. Kind of overnight.
1: Like, Mm -hmm. it's scary enough to think about something that you've kind of had your whole life and it's a chronic condition and it would make you kind of question it, but you've been able to trust your senses for 20, 30 years and then all of a sudden you can't. That is horrifying. Oh my gosh.
0: It is. So anyone out there listening with schizophrenia, God bless you. Yeah. Compared to the general population, people with schizophrenia have a higher suicide rate And more physical health problems, leading to an average decrease in life expectancy by up to 28 years, shorter than the average Mm. person.
1: That's really sad.
0: Yep. Treatment includes antipsychotic medication, along with counseling, job training, and social rehabilitation. Oh, and listening to Tennis podcasts.
1: That's for all of them, actually. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That can just be a general kind of advice Mm -hmm. that medical professionals can give.
1: Yeah. Yeah, if you're experiencing any kind of mental stuff, just listen to tennis. ish better. matter.
0: And it's covered by insurance. Most insurance <laughs> providers will cover it.
1: You do have to pay Nick $1,000 an hour out of pocket. Bummer. It's
0: okay. Yeah, <laughs> but it's worth it. Everyone's going, oh, everyone out there is listening, going, oh, no big deal, $1,000. Like,
1: yeah, yeah, I will work that into my budget.
0: <laughs> well, Anna, I need you to work into your budget. Another guess.
1: All right, all right. Is ADHD on here? Attention deficit.
0: Yeah, where do you think it falls? If schizophrenia was nine and PTSD was three?
1: I'm going to put ADHD smack in the middle at five. Mm, seven. Oh,
0: so, okay, okay. So where did you get your degree? Fucking making up whatever the fuck I want, university?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's really, it's really hard to fit that on sweatshirts, though, so I don't usually <laughs>
0: Yeah, you don't flaunt that one.
1: <laughs> Pulling shit out of my ass.edu. edu. <laughs> <laughs> edu.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, or ADHD, is something your boy was diagnosed with as a child.
1: Mazel tov.
0: Yeah. It affects about 4% of adults in the world. It's characterized by a persistent pattern of inattention and or hyperactivity impulsivity that has a direct negative impact on academic, occupational, or social functioning. But in adults, hyperactivity is usually replaced by inner restlessness, and adults often develop coping skills to compensate for their impairments. But, going further, girls and women with ADHD tend to display fewer hyperactivity and impulsivity symptoms and more symptoms about inattention and distractibility. Mm -hmm. It's funny how the same thing can affect people differently.
1: And I mean, I think a lot of that is like socialization, too, that girls are, you know, socialized Mm -hmm. to hold it in and be a little more prim and proper. So, you know, we don't quite wiggle as much. Yeah. But there's that. And also, so like when we talk about ADHD, ADHD is the same thing as when people say ADD. Like ADD Mm -hmm. is attention deficit disorder. And we just kind of combine them all into ADHD in the newest, the Diagnostic and Statistic Manual, um, DSM. So that's all ADHD, but it's so much harder to diagnose, especially when we're looking at kids to diagnose them and they don't have those hyperactive things. Like a lot, a lot of people get kind of blown under the radar and don't get diagnosed when they actually have it when, because they're not being that outwardly hyperactive type with it, unfortunately. So a lot of people do make it into adulthood not knowing that they even have ADHD.
0: But on the flip side, I was reading that a lot of people think that ADHD was kind of thrown about a little too liberally mm. back in the day. But like, I can see that like a wild, crazy kid or a kid that can't sit still ADHD. Yeah, when really yeah, that's kind of a cover all, kind of normal. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, at some point it's just being a kid, dude. At some point, seven year olds just don't want to sit in a desk for six hours.
0: Yeah, imagine that. <laughs> The precise causes of ADHD are unknown in the majority of cases, but genetic factors play an important role. And ADHD tends to run in the family and has a heritability rate of seventy-four percent.
1: A, lot, so a of lot of these it has do, to do with genetics. A lot of these mm-hmm. disorders are going to have some kind of hereditary thing attached to it, usually.
0: Yeah. Luckily, uh, ADHD is—you know—there's lots of ways to treat it, including counseling, of course, and medication. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that is ADHD. Number seven.
1: How about obsessive compulsive disorder?
0: I was hoping you'd guess that next, because to me, they go hand in hand.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of overlap there.
0: Yeah. OCD, or obsessive compulsive disorder, is number eight, right behind ADHD. Okay. It affects up to 2% of the global population. Now, I have not been diagnosed with OCD, but sometimes I think I might have it. <laughs>
1: My uh, mom and I talk about that on the show where uh, we're pretty sure she has it. And I am like 98% sure I have it. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's rough, man.
0: But don't worry. Wikipedia was sure to point out that American actor James Spader oh. also has OCD.
1: So, so we're going to be fine. we are not alone. <laughs> <laughs> Spader can do it. We can do it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Listener of the show. <laughs> OCD is characterized by repetitive, unwanted, obsessions and irrational excessive urges of certain actions obsessions are persistent unwanted thoughts mental images or urges that generate feelings of anxiety disgust or discomfort um so do you have an example from your own life or maybe your mom's life that makes Uh, you guys think you have ocd
1: yeah this morning i had like an ocd like anxiety episode I actually think it was because I was coming on the show with you. I just want, I want to do so good and I want your listeners to like me. I'm always so nervous, but I like woke up and one of my clients canceled this morning. So I had a weird hour that I didn't anticipate. And so I was just like trying to figure out where to put this nervous energy and like ended up rearranging like a quarter of my closet. (laughs) It's
0: like, (laughs) that's good, though. That was productive. No,
1: I didn't need to do it. I should have been doing other more productive things. And that was what my OCD was like, oh, this is a thing you need to handle right now, right in this moment. Okay, man, whatever.
0: Interesting. For me, it's cleaning is something and like people call me a germ freak as well Mm. like i I don't eat after people i don't drink after people
1: like that's a bad thing when we're going through a global pandemic
0: (laughs) fucking thank you jesus christ i'm like looking around in 2020 being like hello i told you all (laughs)
1: you're like this is what i've been saying guys
0: yeah wash
1: your hands better
0: people act like i just landed from another planet when i say that i won't like share food with my kids (laughs) especially kids
1: man kids are gross. Kids are gross. Thank you,
0: Jesus. (laughs) It really upsets me when I'm so judged and persecuted. You're Um, like, you
1: are not being very friendly to my mental illness right now, guys. And also kids are gross.
0: (laughs) Kids are disgusting. Man, fuck. And something else is uh, things have to be put in a very specific place. Everything Mm -hmm. has a place in my Mm -hmm. house. And if it's out of place, that's a problem. Right. Uh, Like I can't function until it is back in its place. Kind of like I put Dr. Buster in his place pretty much every fucking time we record.
1: And that's very good that you work that in. Uh, very smooth. Yeah. But that is where it becomes a disorder, basically, because there is that kind of overusing it as well, where, you know, I, I remember being in high school and my friends would be like, I, oh, my locker has to be so clean. I'm so OCD. And it's like, well, unless it goes to what you just said, where it's like, I can't function unless it is like this. It disrupts my thought patterns when this is not the way that my brain says it's supposed to be. That's where it becomes OCD.
0: Yeah. People kind of throw around the word OCD a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's, there's such a thing as having an OCD tendency versus mm-hmm. like clinical OCD disorder. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And especially that kind of goes along with the, the number stuff that we're talking about too. Like we talk about this on Freudian Sips a lot when we talk about disorders. To be diagnosed with a disorder, it has to be disrupting your life in a meaningful way. It has to be something that is impairing your ability to do things at home and at work and all that kind of stuff. So there is a line where you can have, you know, OCD tendencies, you can have anxiety tendencies, but if it's not disrupting your life in a marked way, then it's not, you know, we might not diagnose it, basically.
0: Yeah. So a little more about OCD. It is unusual for symptoms to begin after age 35. Most people that are diagnosed with OCD happens before age 20. Mm. There appear to be some genetic components. In fact, it is more likely for identical twins to be affected than fraternal twins. So if you have an identical twin, you're more likely to have OCD. Interesting. I mentioned James Spader has OCD. (laughs) Again, I just thought, like, of all the pages I went to on the internet, This was the only like actor that was called out on any of them.
1: Really? (laughs) On any of them? Oh, that's harsh. Sorry, James. Man, (laughs) really throwing you under the bus here. (laughs) He's like not
0: even an A-lister, right? Like he's a well-respected known actor, but he's kind of like... He's
1: like, come on, man.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's like someone had to seek that out to to call him out
1: like that. Not that he has anything (laughs) to be ashamed of, of course. I know someone had it out with James Bader and they're like, I want to update the Wikipedia page. Maybe it was James Spader.
0: Maybe his OCD was about not being listed somewhere on every Wikipedia page.
1: He's like, I cannot function until I'm honest about this with the world.
0: Next time we go to Wikipedia, like any page you go to, could be about OCD, could be about apples, could be about President George Washington. Somewhere there will be a sentence about James Spader on that (laughs) Wikipedia page.
1: little footnote at the bottom, like (laughs) also James Spader.
0: Uh, But he's earned it. Hell of an ass. Yeah. Um... Treatment for OCD includes psychotherapy, cognitive behavioral therapy, antidepressants and other medication, and even surgical procedures such as deep brain stimulation. Have you heard of this?
1: Deep brain stimulation. Weird. So I do think that's probably related to like shock therapy in some way.
0: It says surgery, though.
1: I just watched, um, there's a Netflix show called How to Change Your Brain. And there's an episode about uh, mushrooms, psilocybin. And a guy with OCD went uh, through the study and like did it in like several months out after his shroom trip, zero OCD symptoms. He said like totally eradicated. Yeah. Interesting. (laughs) So file that away just in case you ever need some shrooms.
0: I was just just thinking like, I don't know what to do with this information.
1: (laughs) You're like, when can I get a trip?
0: (laughs) Surely you tripping on mushrooms now, I think, right? Didn't you mention that before we hit record? Yeah.
1: All the time. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Bonnie, you need to do something about this. She's out of control. That's a problem. Well, let's stay on this note because there is something extremely related to what we just said that is on this list. Addiction? Substance abuse disorder.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Number four.
1: Oh, I'm not surprised that's in the top five. Yeah.
0: In fact, it would be higher if not for a caveat that I'll get to. So substance abuse disorder is number four. It affects 2% of the global population. It is the persistent use of drugs, including alcohol, despite substantial harm and adverse consequences as a result of their use. Now, what I was saying about the caveat is that there are an additional 237 million men and 46 million women. So what is that? Almost 300 million people total. That so, have- wait,
1: 230 million men and like 40 million women? That's a large difference.
0: It is. But this is the one mental difference disorder on this list where men are more affected than women.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: Almost 300 million people between those men and women that have alcohol use disorder specifically, but apparently there is disagreement on the definition of the word alcoholism and it is not a recognized diagnostic entity.
1: So they're saying that like alcohol use disorder is not alcoholism? Is that just what they're saying?
0: They're saying alcoholism itself is not a diagnosed condition.
1: So there's probably, basically, like, there's an overlap in the Venn diagram, but it's not going to be a one-to-one.
0: Exactly. You can be, according to this, my interpretation is you can be an alcoholic without suffering from substance abuse disorder, but you can also suffer from substance abuse disorder if you are an alcoholic.
1: Yeah, yeah. not all squares are rectangles, all that good stuff.
0: I don't, I mean, I don't really, whatever.
1: (laughs) It's a weird semantic thing. It is a
0: weird thing, yeah. But anyway, if it it did include all those quote unquote alcoholics, I think it would be number one.
1: I bet you're right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But right now it's number four.
1: Well, because that is a disorder that so many people use to treat a lot of other disorders that we're Mm -hmm. talking about. Mm -hmm. So there is so much of an overlap in those.
0: And I think more so than anything else on this list, except for maybe one other one. Alcoholism or drug abuse, whatever, whatever you want to call it, substance abuse is the thing that most people deny that they have Mm -hmm. when Mm -hmm. they have it. Like, who wants to admit to themselves that they're an alcoholic or that they're a drug addict?
1: To themselves or, you know, to their therapist or to their families. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. It's this weird kind of mix of, I don't even know if I would call that a stigma or like it's kind of going back to that, well, it's just a thing you do. You know, I just have drinks when I go out with my friends and at some point it becomes a place where it is disrupting your life. Yeah, and you don't even know you you've mm-hmm. gotten to that point basically so it's kind right. of a slow boil
0: it's so ingrained in your day to day that just mm-hmm. like brushing your teeth or going to work is just yeah. part of your You're day like i don't have
1: toothpaste use disorder yeah so i don't have well, alcohol do. use disorder you do and i'm
0: glad you brought that up because i think we need a psa that toothpaste use disorder doesn't get enough attention in the medical community and there really needs to be more research and studies done on it
1: yeah when's your uh toothpaste use fun run walk going on
0: Right after my rabies fun run. Uh,
1: (laughs) You're just putting them back to back? That seems really mean to the people that are running. I don't think I would want to do two.
0: 10 miles each. (laughs) Deal with it.
1: Oh man, it's a good thing I really want to contribute to this charity. Let's
0: see how passionate you really are. I
1: really want to get this toothpaste thing looked at, so I guess I'll run another 10 miles.
0: I mean, a toothpaste use disorder is what? Just using too much toothpaste when you brush your teeth or is it like actually consuming toothpaste like it's a food
1: like one of those like my strange addiction shows where they just like pump the toothpaste directly into their mouth
0: fuck i saw one of those one time sidebar here but i saw this is gonna be so bad these
1: oh god these are all so horrible go on
0: this one actually probably isn't as bad as what you're thinking but it's weird (laughs) this person would eat rocks how she had like dozens of rocks per day And she'd have to, like, routinely get them removed, like, surgically removed. And she would just keep doing it.
1: Oh, my God.
0: But hold that thought, because we're going to talk about that sort of thing in a minute.
1: Are we? We are, yeah. Okay.
0: Well, back to substance use disorder. 12% of Americans age 12 and older use illegal drugs.
1: That they admit.
0: So, Smokey the Bear, no. Wait, who's the drug guy? It's not Smokey the Bear, that's fire, uh, forest fires.
1: Smokey the, well... If you're smoking your drugs in forests, Smoky the Bear is also mm. involved. Don't set forest fires. Is there
0: like an anti-drug mascot somewhere?
1: Does Dare have like a drug dog or something?
0: Oh, wasn't it? Well, who was the president that was against... Ronald Reagan did the war on drugs, right? hmm So he's rolling he's over. Re-
1: Reagan's the mascot you're thinking of?
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Listener to the show. Ronald Reagan. Anyway.
1: Hell of an ass. Yeah, well, yeah,
0: yeah. I might die. I don't know.
1: <laughs> it depends on who you ask. <laughs>
0: yeah. Maybe in his prime, but not by the time he was president. 19% of people age 12 and older, or 53 million people, have used illegal drugs or misused prescription drugs within the last year. But despite all that, tobacco remains the leading cause of preventable death, responsible for greater than 480,000 deaths in the United States each year. These harms are significant financially with total costs of more than $420 billion annually in health care.
1: 420 billion? Nice.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't even catch that. But. Glad you're here. Catch those important details. So let's talk about the eating rocks and stuff. What, what would that be categorized under? What umbrella?
1: Is it PICA?
0: Which is also um, under which umbrella?
1: I don't know. There's an umbrella eating for disorder. PICA? Oh, okay. Eating
0: disorder. Yeah. yeah. As far as the ranking on this list, We're only looking at anorexia and bulimia. Mm -hmm. There are other eating disorders, but those are the two that put it at number 10 on the list. 0.2% of the global population. So pica, that is where people are eating non-food items like rocks. Yes.
1: I would say there's probably some kind of like obsessive component there. Like I feel like that's probably why they do it.
0: 20 to 60% of patients with an eating disorder have a history of OCD.
1: Wow. 20 to 60. That's that's significant. Mm -hmm. It is.
0: (laughs) You're good at math.
1: Thank you. Statistically significant. It is.
0: So an eating disorder is defined by abnormal eating behaviors that negatively affect a person's physical or mental health. Types of eating disorders include binge eating, where the patient eats a large amount in a short amount of time. Anorexia nervosa, where the person has an intense fear of gaining weight and restricts food or over exercises to manage this fear. Bulimia nervosa, where individuals eat a large quantity, binging, then try to rid themselves of the food, purging, which is making yourself throw up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's others too. Cultural idealization of thinness is believed to contribute to some eating disorders. Think in women especially, which this mental disorder affects women at a much higher rate than men. In fact, 10 times more
1: Wow. in females than men. Okay, 10 times is more surprising, but I'm not surprised at all that it's more... But again, women.
0: that's reported, all that. Yeah, but exactly. Still.
1: Well, and I, I think that's a really good point. I think it's really, I mean, I think it's hard for kids to seek help for this anyway. So especially when we are talking about like adolescence and stuff, which is uh, very often when it hits, but especially for, for young men to say that that's a thing that they're going through. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah.
0: So women 10 times more likely than men, but also individuals who have experienced sexual abuse are more likely to develop eating disorders. Which, sexual abuse just leads to all kinds of fucking problems. Just don't sexually abuse anyone. That's
1: that trauma yeah. thing, man. Yeah.
0: And also, uh, this was interesting to me, gay men are seven times more likely to report binge eating and 12 times more likely to report purging than heterosexual mm-hmm.
1: men. Yeah, I don't think that's surprising with kind of, um, like, LGBT culture, the kind of, like, queer people being feeling more forced to present in a certain way, I think that makes sense that that would go into feeling very pressured to have a certain weight or any of that mm-hmm. stuff.
0: In the show Seinfeld, George dates a woman who he suspects is purging after their meals.
1: And he, that seems like a heavy topic for Seinfeld.
0: Well, he gets upset, and, every, and you assume at first that he's upset because he's concerned. But no, he's upset because I'm paying for those meals. Oh, God. Oh, God.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's at that point that my husband would be watching Seinfeld and I would walk out of the room and go, I want to go watch something else. (laughs) Come
0: on, that's good. This
1: has been fun. I think I'll... I mean, it's kind of it's the always sunny thing where you kind of go into it knowing that these are terrible people and that's the humor of it, but mm, sometimes yeah. it's a little too much.
0: <laughs> no, it's just right. Let me get your opinion as a counselor on a subject, really mm-hmm. important subject. Okay. Do you think that eating a greasy hot dog over a disgusting airport trash can could be considered an eating disorder or maybe just general psychopathy?
1: I think it would be in pica. I don't think anyone Mm. should be consuming a greasy airport hot dog. And I think if you feel compelled to do that so much that you have to do it over a garbage can. Yeah. Yeah, man. I think we might be looking at some diagnosis. Like they're in a
0: race against time, by the way. They're they're cramming it in there.
1: Yeah. It's that obsessive thing. I need to cram this disgusting hot dog down my gullet as fast as possible.
0: And they feel OCD because they can't eat it unless they're standing over an airport trash can and a huge crowd of people Mm -hmm. watching.
1: Or else my family will die. Yeah. All right.
0: Let me write this down. I have so I need to share this advice with a friend. Um,
1: Oh, you call your therapist your friend? That's cute.
0: No, (laughs) (laughs) I need to share this advice with a victim of this eating disorder of this pica.
1: That's the third fun run in the (laughs) pica rabies. for it after the first two. The pica fun run. (laughs) At least
0: pica is a fun word to say.
1: It is that going for? And it's really interesting. So this is going to sound so dorky and out my husband and I as huge dorks. But the first stop in our honeymoon, like we did a road trip, and the first stop was um, Glore Psychiatric Museum in wow. Missouri somewhere. I think St. Joseph.
0: We need a minute. We need a minute to recover okay. from the dorkiness.
1: Process. Process. After you've recovered, if you are around that area, go to it. It's so cool. It's an old mental hospital and they've converted into, ho- uh, into a museum. And they had this like mm. display of one of the, the patients that was there, all the things that they consumed in their time there because they were drug- dealing with pica. And it was just like safety pins and, you know, nuts and bolts, pretty much anything they could get that, that filled that need for them. It was fascinating. Yeah,
0: that actually is not dorky. It's interesting. And you reminded me of something. You, are you familiar with Albert Fish, serial killer? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, he, he's he is a uh, mental health research dream. But he had a uh, disorder, not where he would eat these, but he had, what are they? Like needles, like long needles, like that you'd use for um, like sewing or something. Mm-hmm. And he would shove them into his body, like from the taint area.
1: Oh my God.
0: They discovered like hundreds of these needles inside his body when he was captured.
1: How was he not suffering something from well, that?
0: Suffering was part of the pleasure for him. That's his whole deal.
1: No, like how was it not killing him?
0: I think I, I can't answer that i don't know but oh, there's pictures of it okay. there's pictures of the x-ray if anyone oh, wants to go great see it. yeah
1: well that was kind of that's not even top of the things that he had going on no no so.
0: he was yeah not surprising. We, we don't have time to get into it but no yes.
1: that's a whole other list
0: <laughs> yeah but like the reverse of pika when you put it in the taint maybe that's like taintka. <laughs> right.
1: Taintka. oh <laughs> <laughs> sounds as gross as it is. So yeah, A plus, name approved.
0: (laughs) Got it. (laughs) All right, let's recap the list real quick. We got number 10, eating disorder, the last one we covered. Number nine, schizophrenia. Number eight, OCD. Number seven, ADHD. You're missing six and five. Four was substance abuse disorder. Three is PTSD. You're missing two and one. Do you enjoy the drama of a good relationship story? Or judging whether or not someone is an asshole? Then you should check out the Reddit on Wiki podcast where I, Josh Shell, and my co-host John and Sean react to some of the craziest stories we can find on Reddit. From terrible relationship stories to crazy mother-in-laws, we cover it all every Monday and Friday. So subscribe to Reddit on Wiki on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, bring the tea. Want to skip ads like that in the future? Go to tennishpod.com slash plus. Sign up and you'll never hear an ad on Tennis Podcast again.
1: Okay, I am pretty sure I know what two and one are. Mm -hmm. So I am going to save those. I have, okay. Is seasonal affective depression, seasonal affective disorder on here?
0: Uh, no, but there's. Depression is on here, but I don't know if you want to talk about that.
1: So, yeah, let's talk about depression. I I figure that's either one or two.
0: Yeah, it is number two, depression. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And this is one that is, I think, kind of in keeping with the spirit of a lot of our discussion today about like stigmas and more accepted for mental health needs in this day and age, that depression and number one that we'll talk about are both kind of recognized as super common and it's okay. And we all have to deal with these things.
1: Yeah, that is totally one of those things that's like, uh, everyone's feeling like this. I can't seek special treatment for this when this is just the state of the world right Mm -hmm. now. That's not true. You can definitely seek treatment for that.
0: Yeah. 4% of the global population sounds incredibly low, but Mm -hmm. that's what it is. 380 million people that represents. Depression is characterized by loss of interest or pleasure, general sadness, feelings of guilt or low self-worth, difficulty falling asleep eating pattern changes exhaustion and a lack of concentration all fun things yeah and anna you probably know this already but many listeners reached out to me during uh, my recent holiday break to let me know the lack of tennis podcast has led them into a deep and desperate bout of clinical depression
1: Mm. i hope they're getting help yeah well and i hope that they're listening to this now because as we said listening to tennis is an effective treatment for everything we're talking about
0: yeah this is the medication they need right now Mm -hmm. Uh, an injection of nick and anna so women are nearly twice as likely to suffer from major depression than men
1: again i think that has a lot to do with how willing women are to talk about it Mm
0: -hmm. but the problem with women is once they start talking you can't shut them up am i right fellas
1: just yak 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 (laughs) i know
0: couldn't resist (laughs) Depression is a major mental health cause of disease burden. Its consequences further lead to significant burden in public health, including a higher risk of dementia, premature mortality arising from physical disorders, and maternal depression impacts on child growth and development. Mm. But what's interesting about treatment and depressing about depression is approximately 76 to 85% of depressed people in low and middle income countries do not receive treatments because of barriers to treatment, including inaccurate assessment, lack of trained healthcare providers, social stigma, and lack of resources. So it, in other words, mm-hmm. if you live in a developing country, good luck. Yeah. It's much harder to get help for your depression. And you're probably depressed because you're in a developing country anyway. So.
1: Well, exactly right. That, that, that's a huge part of it where like, okay, mm-hmm. not only that, but your environment is one that is probably going to be bringing about depressive symptoms. So double whammy.
0: It's like a societal PTSD. Or, I think there's a better word for that, but like, we're all suffering from trauma. this. Collective yeah. trauma, yeah. yeah. Well, there's something that goes pretty hand in hand with depression. Let's just talk about it now. Yeah, let's talk one. about that.
1: Yeah. Anxiety, right? Anxiety mm-hmm. disorder. Mm-hmm. That's another one that covers a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, OCD is technically an anxiety disorder. So, yeah, there's, yeah, yeah. there's that covers a lot.
0: There was dozens of different types of anxiety disorders that fall under this umbrella. But general anxiety disorder is 4% of the global population. Again, that's low. Oh, yeah. Anxiety disorders are a cluster of mental disorders characterized by significant and uncontrollable feelings of anxiety and fear such that a person's social, occupational, and personal function are significantly impaired. Anxiety may cause physical and cognitive symptoms such as restlessness, irritability, easy fatigue. I've never seen this word written. Fatigability, difficulty concentrating, increased heart rate, chest pain, abdominal pain, and other symptoms. And Anna, you were experiencing a lot of these symptoms tonight as you were getting ready to record. <laughs> yeah. Oh,
1: anxiety is a thing I experience a lot anyway. So yeah, yeah, it was. Mm-hmm. But yeah, those things are all very, again, we kind of fall into this like, well, yeah, everyone's anxious right now. That's just life. It's like, well, it's, it's life, but it's also anxiety. That's okay. It can be both.
0: I've had issues with anxiety to where my anxiety comes out physically. So like I'll experience chest pain. I thought I was having a heart mm-hmm. attack one time, went to the Chest ER. Chest pains are
1: big and yeah, huge. Yeah. Like a lot of people when they experience their first like panic attack, if, if they actually have yeah. panic attacks, that it can be like, oh God, I'm dying. Oh, this is, oh, this is it. I'm dying.
0: hmm That was me. It's scary. It's a good and bad thing to be told at the hospital, don't worry. It's just a panic attack. You're not dying because mm-hmm. that's a hard thing to treat for me anyway. Yeah. It's an ongoing journey to try to find solutions to this. And there's medication and there's counseling, but they're not surefire bets.
1: Right. And you kind of have to do a mix of both and you kind of have to experiment around with what kinds of both work best. And then you have to do a lot of work outside of those two things. Yeah. There's, it's kind of an ongoing battle.
0: Exactly. Anxiety disorders are the most common of mental disorders and affect nearly 30% of adults at some point in their lives.
1: Wow. Okay, well, I guess that's saying at some point in their lives, because the other numbers you were giving are just like within that like year or whatever. Is that right?
0: At any one time, there's roughly 4% of the global population. As of the year, this was... Okay,
1: but it's 30% 30%, like overall throughout life.
0: Yeah, like there basically there's, if you took 100 people, 30 of them at some point in their, you know, 80-ish years on Earth will suffer from anxiety disorder.
1: See, and again, that seems low. Like, yeah. it is very uncommon to find someone who is not going to react with anxiety to, especially like we said, the stuff going on in, in the world right now and all this kind of stuff. And and if they have certain stressors within their life, they're going to experience anxiety. Like, I think it is, it's tied into that trauma thing where everyone's got trauma somewhere. Everyone's got anxiety somewhere. Mm, yeah. So it just kind of depends on how it manifests in you. What's kind
0: of sad, though, is, between 10 and 20% of children will develop a full-fledged anxiety disorder prior to age 18 making anxiety the most common mental health issue in young people mm. and anxiety in children is sad because a lot of times when kids are perceived to be acting out or quiet or not engaging in a social setting mm-hmm. or not reacting in a way that you expect it's because they're they're dealing with anxiety they're anxious. but it's not obvious yeah. always that it's anxiety
1: Yeah, when kids are like, my tummy hurts, like that's usually like anxiety coming in. Mm -hmm. Or if they are being obstinate or stubborn, or like you said, acting out, like that is often like something's behind that. And it is a bummer when we just kind of shove them into, Mm -hmm. like, you know, into the corner and and not try to talk through that with them. So, you know, especially when you're dealing with kids, be mindful that there's feelings underneath what they're doing. They just can't articulate them because they're kids. They don't have the vocabulary. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So again, bummer of an episode, isn't everyone glad they're listening today? Sorry,
1: that wasn't a joke. Do you want me to like tell a joke or something?
0: Yeah, please. Tell me, please. T- anything.
1: I don't have any good dad jokes. You got it. No, you got it. No, you got to tell a dad joke.
0: Oh, fuck. Put me on the spot. I can't do it.
1: I know. I was thinking the same thing. I was like, I can't. I, I've never heard a joke in my life. What do you mean? My whole life
0: has been a joke. going to look up a dad joke. I'm going to
1: need some hints for six and seven
0: countryliving.com has the 145 best dad jokes that will have the whole family laughing.
1: Okay. Uh, Give me number 72.
0: They're not numbered. There's a bunch of bullet points. They're not
1: numbered. Never mind then. Pick the best one. My OCD
0: is not loving this. (laughs)
1: Yeah.
0: How do you make seven even? Take away the S.
1: Oh. Clever. That's a riddle. That's not even a dad joke. It's a riddle.
0: (laughs) How does a taco say grace? Let us pray. <laughs>
1: oh, I like that one.
0: What time did the man go to the dentist? Tooth hurty. <laughs> <laughs> All right, one more.
1: I'm going to leave. I'm packing my little rucksack and I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm going to walk out of your ear and down your shoulders. <laughs> leaving
0: i love let us pray you liked but the 230 was up across the line for you you couldn't handle that one
1: that's it okay one more
0: one more this one's my favorite why didn't the skeleton climb the mountain it didn't have the guts oh <laughs> you get it right because the skeleton doesn't have guts inside of it
1: unless it's your skeleton right now your skeleton has guts inside of it
0: well okay anna's right. <laughs> Well, now, how can we trust any dad joke that's ever said again? You just ruined the magic.
1: It wasn't your skeleton that climbed the mountain. It was a different gutless skeleton. I get it. I get it. It was
0: a skeleton that was walking without skin or body. Obviously. Just a
1: skeleton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Which they can't do, Nick. Skeletons can't do that, okay? I... It's true. School for things I should know. But if we're gonna
0: start getting literal, then guts also don't help you do (laughs) anything about conquering fears. That's just a.
1: I guess that is true. It's all in the brain, baby. That's where it lives. Yeah.
0: Speaking of the brain, there are people suffering from this mental disorder that wish they had more of their brain available to them, because once they get to a certain age, their brain starts fading.
1: Oh, is it uh like dementia? Dementia. Mm -hmm. Mm.
0: Number five. Interesting. It affects about 55 million people, which comes to 1%. This does include Alzheimer's, but also other diseases. Dementia includes memory, orientation, and thinking, comprehension, calculation, language, all declining. It is the decline in cognitive function, generally met with deterioration in emotional and social control. This one might be scarier mm. than schizophrenia, even.
1: Oh my God, Nick, I was literally just going to say yeah. that exact well, you're thing. In my head. Like when I we're heard talking you. about, yeah. I- <laughs> it was me I echoed, and then we echoed back. Yeah, like because it falls so much in the same category of like the perceptions that you have come to trust and the knowledge that you that you have, that you've come to rely on just being gone mm-hmm. and not being able to control that. oh, that's so scary.
0: It is. It's gradual to a point and then you don't even know anymore. Like you don't even mm-hmm. realize that you have dementia. Like my grandma has yeah. Alzheimer's, and she will ask you the same question in the same tone as if it's the first time asking. 20 times in 5 minutes. Right. You just keep answering.
1: And honestly, this is one that I mean, to some extent I suppose, is so much harder on the people around the person watching them go through that. Yeah. Watching this person that you're you know be not the person that you know anymore. Especially when we talk about like trauma and grief, that's a very like complex kind of grief where you're grieving the person even though they're still alive. Mm. And that's one of those things that when we talk about that whole umbrella thing that it gets swept up under, under there and then it's hard to talk about because you're like, well, it's not real grief because they're still alive. Then it's hard to admit that that's what you're going through and admit like admitted enough to get help for it, basically. Mm-hmm.
0: This is also like a quality of life thing. It's like once you mm-hmm. once you say you're 80 years old and you have like really severe Alzheimer's, there's no quality of life left. Right. and It's controversial, like assisted suicide uh, or uh, doctor administered suicide. I know it's illegal in some countries. I'm for it just because of stuff like this.
1: When it gets to a certain point, when it gets to a certain point. The the tricky part comes in who gets to decide where that point is. How do we determine where that point is? You know, how do we keep it safe so it's not misused? But it is hard. But yeah, when you get. Especially when, again, you are the one looking out for these people and saying they really cannot do anything and they don't know who they are. And, and at what point do we say this is too much to put them through, basically?
0: Yeah. Well, this is not a new phenomenon because dementia has been referred to in medical texts since the beginning of written history.
1: Wow. About really?
0: 5,000 years ago, they were talking about dementia. I mean, not using that word, obviously, but referring to the decline. But the cognitive
1: decline mm-hmm. of people, Sure.
0: But what's funny is back in caveman times, or fuck, whenever written words started, well, after caveman times, but people were getting dementia probably at like age 27.
1: Yeah, that is interesting. Well, that's what I was thinking about, like, would they have had enough life expectancy for that to be hitting? Or was it just hitting earlier because the life expectancy was lower? Yeah.
0: Or maybe Wild. it was the same as now, and it was just more rare back then because, you know, because you can have yeah. dementia even as a young person. It's just very, very rare. Sure.
1: Yeah, early so, onset and stuff. And, and you uh-huh. know, I'm sure there were enough people living to that age where it was, it was kind of coming up. But that is really interesting.
0: Now, for people aged 65 to 69. Nice. Nice. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, you were a little <laughs> late on that one.
1: Sorry. I was thinking about interesting research things, which doesn't happen a lot. So. Yeah, <laughs> I missed the missed the. Hey, I caught the four twenty earlier. Okay, we're we're. we're hey, we're, this whole episode
0: was full of interesting research things, Anna. You weren't distracted. That's true. Nope. Um. Okay. Well. Anyway, between age sixty five and sixty nine, around two in every one hundred people have dementia, and then your risk for dementia doubles every five years after age sixty
1: nine. Wow, doubles. Okay. So yeah, once you hit 70, that's just going to keep going up.
0: Once you hit 70, I mean, your life's over. Let's just fucking call it like it is.
1: (laughs) It's a scalding hot take after you just (laughs) admitted that you are for assisted suicide. Fuck it. Once you hit 50,
0: life's over. I'm going to keep going down.
1: Take him out back.
0: (laughs) Got to get rid of old Yeller here. Yep. So dementia is currently the seventh leading cause of death worldwide and has 10 million new cases reported every year or one new case of dementia every three seconds.
1: Wow. Oh my God.
0: This is partially because of advancements in science where we're able to detect this sort of thing more often than we could in the past.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because that is a thing that probably, I don't know a lot about dementia, but that is a thing that I would assume there is more like concrete brain tests that we can do. I assume when it comes to cognitive decline and, and dementia and how that presents that there is more, you know, if we did a CAT scan or something, there probably is physical differences in the brain at that point. So probably also why that number is higher than I kind of would have expected is it's easier to concrete for sure know that you have it.
0: Yeah. They use the dog scan for that one. Pretty sure.
1: D and dog stands for dementia.
0: Yeah. <laughs> dementia... <laughs> Oh God, dementia! dementia oh God, God. Scan. God.
1: damn! Call it out, right? Yep, this come is come on. It. That was God good. did this to you. Get in the thing.
0: Get in the thing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's harsh,
0: dude. And you know what? They got dementia, so oh, Jesus, <laughs> they're not even gonna remember that you that you were rude to them and telling them to get in the fucking thing already, so I can get this scan done.
1: That is a horrible joke.
0: No, it was pretty good.
1: And <laughs> it's truly why elders get abused, Nick. Nicholas.
0: <laughs> Once they hit 35, you just got to take them out back. You just got to take
1: them out back, man. Assisted
0: suicide at 32.
1: The <laughs> number just gets lower. <laughs> it's 2018, dude. It's over.
0: Now, as you probably know, there is no known cure for dementia. But by 2030, the year 2030, it is predicted the annual socioeconomic cost will be about $507 billion annually. And by 2050, the number is expected to reach almost $2 trillion per year worldwide. In, of like
1: healthcare costs? Yeah,
0: healthcare costs. Well, socioeconomic yeah. cost, it says. So I think that might also oh. include like production costs from like mm-hmm. in the economy, shit like that.
1: Right. Well, because, you know, you think a family you asked to affect their jobs to take care of loved ones who are dealing with it. So yeah, that makes sense that that would just kind of be a a trickle out effect.
0: I saw a thing on Reddit the other day. I can't remember what subreddit it was in, but it was basically a person saying like, I am childless. I've always been childless. I I want to be childless, but I'm starting to get worried now that if I get old since dementia runs in my family, Mm -hmm. who will take care of me when I'm alone and Seventy with dementia, right? Um, and I never really thought of that, but you know it's important to have some close friends, if not family, to help well, navigate.
1: Yeah, that's the thing yeah. is, it doesn't just have to be family. It can be your friend group. It can be whatever kind of support group you can build up for yourself. And this is again a thing that transcends the bounds of dementia when we're talking about it and goes to all the other disorders that we're talking about. Is one of the things we are going to work with you. In therapy, on is building a support system and building a network of people that you trust to be around you and help during these times when you are going through an anxiety episode or a depressive episode, or your OCD is really bad, or your trauma triggers. You know, so all that stuff. So it is important to get a good support system, no matter where you're at in life.
0: And someday we'll get to the point where your support system doesn't even have to be people. And bring in your hamsters, your pets, your cats, your birds. They can help navigate.
1: I think those are definitely part of a person's support system. Yeah, like well, they are.
0: Cats they for and sure dogs are.
1: and stuff. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: I would trust my dog more with my life as a demented old man than I would my kids. Yeah. I just need legally the precedent to be set that a dog can have power of attorney over me.
1: Your little living will has a little paw print on it where you <laughs> exactly. signed it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Someone's just got to go get the dog and bring him to the hospital.
1: I trust dogs to make choices in our best interest. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. For sure.
0: Um, okay. Well, you just need one left. It's number six. It is a very commonly known mental disorder. It has to deal with the personality.
1: What is the personality? Is it borderline?
0: No. Well,
1: is it I think antisocial? It's,
0: I think it's considered personality disorder. Well, maybe not. It's a, it has to do with depression as well.
1: I'm at a loss. What is it?
0: Bipolar disorder.
1: Oh, it's bipolar. Okay. Yeah.
0: It's number six. About 1% of the world's population is diagnosed with this. Bipolar disorder, previously known as manic depression, is a mental disorder characterized by periods of depression and periods of abnormally elevated mood that last from days to weeks each. How fucked up is God that he's making these diseases that make us really happy one day and then really down in the dumps the next day? You know?
1: Yeah. Why? Totally. Why are
0: we doing this? If the elevated mood is severe or associated with psychosis, it is called mania. If it is less severe, it is called hypomania. During mania, an individual behaves or feels abnormally energetic, happy, or irritable, and they often make impulsive decisions with little regard for the consequences. There is usually also a reduced need for sleep during manic phases.
1: Yeah, you're just like super elevated all the time.
0: During periods of depression, the individual may experience crying and have a negative outlook on life and poor eye contact with others. Now, unfortunately, the risk of suicide is high with bipolar disorder. Over a period of 20 years, 6% of those with disorder died by suicide, mm. while another 40% engaged in self-harm.
1: Yeah, That goes along with, like, when you're manic, you're more impulsive. So it's harder to rein in those things that your dumb brain is telling you to do. And you're just like, yeah, totally. That sounds great. Everything sounds good right now. I'll do it.
0: The brain is both our best friend and our worst enemy. You know? Yeah. It all comes down to the brain.
1: Our brain really tries to help us. Like, our brain really, even if it's doing these weird, you know, the fight, flight, freeze stuff and the trauma stuff and the even, you know, bipolar to some extent, it's doing... A thing that it thinks is helpful to us. And it's just like, no, you've got great intentions, but the very wrong idea. Don't do that anymore.
0: No. Brains are just too stupid to really be as helpful as they think they are. Mm -hmm. Fucking dumb brain.
1: We haven't had a firmware update since like caveman times. We are are due for an update. (laughs)
0: Yeah. I read recently that that saying that you only use 10% of your brain is actually not true. Mm-hmm. You use all of your brain, but for different things, right? At different times. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I've heard it described as that is kind of like saying a stoplight only uses 33% of its power.
0: <laughs> right. Because
1: only one's lit up at a time. So it, it's we're probably point. using 10% of our brain at any given moment, but all of it gets used. Yeah. Maybe not for everyone, but for most people, all of it gets used.
0: Yeah, Dr. Buster. So... <laughs> I think I'm up five digs at him this episode. I'm trying to get to 10. I
1: I wish I would have been keeping count. You've been getting a few. You're at least three or four.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Well, bipolar is, uh, there's lots of treatment options. There's lots of medications that help with this. Antipsychotics are often used as well as some other shit. So if you have bipolar disorder, I'm sorry to hear that. But sorry to hear if you have any of these, really. They all suck. Yeah. Which one's your favorite, Anna?
1: Oh, my favorite OCD, <laughs> easily. Yeah, my fave one.
0: Because you're biased. Because yeah. you have OCD.
1: Uh, yeah. Why else do you ask people to rank them? Why else? Why Of course, it's biased. That's why it's number one. No. And it would punish me if I didn't say it later. So <laughs>
0: there's that too. Like the OCD is this other entity that is, yeah.
1: <laughs> the OCD is just this like creature that lives in the back of my head with like a bat. And yeah. just kind of like wait.
0: Kind of like someone that's coming to break your kneecaps if you don't pay them on time, yeah, right? Exactly. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of broken kneecaps, let's break the kneecaps on this top 10 list. I'm going to go back through them. We got them all. Number 10 is the eating disorder, namely anorexia and bulimia. I'm paying for those meals. <laughs> Number nine is schizophrenia. Number eight is OCD. Number seven is ADHD. Number six is bipolar disorder. Number five is dementia. Number four is substance abuse disorder. Number three is PTSD. Number two is depression. Number one is our good friend, anxiety disorder. Mm. So do you feel, does your brain feel better or worse about your own?
1: My brain Mm -hmm. feels so good. My brain feels so wrinkly. We just learned so much.
0: (laughs) Say wrinkly.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's where all the information gets stored in the little wrinkles in your brain.
0: Is there truth to what you're saying or are you just saying Yes.
1: So... Really? <laughs> yes. If you ever want to, yeah, pull a really good, like, call someone dumb in a very sophisticated way, just call them a smooth brain.
0: Uh, I don't know if I can do that because I don't want to be okay. punched in the face. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't think they'll know what you mean, so it's fine. <laughs> so the,
0: the wrinklier the brain, the better, huh?
1: Wrinklier the better, baby.
0: Because it's, it's the opposite for the ass. The wrinklier the ass, the worse. On a smooth ass. Well,
1: that's a matter of opinion, I yeah, guess. Well, I guess
0: you're, I guess you're right. <laughs> Most people would say the smoother the ass, the better. Yeah. But you're right. To each their own. Anna, you did it.
1: Thank you for enlightening us. Thank you for giving, giving us a space to tell everyone to go get help for whatever they might be struggling with. That's always a message I like to put out into mm-hmm. the universe. Mm-hmm. So, heck yeah. Feeling good. Yeah,
0: don't be afraid to get help. I get help. Anna gets help. We all need help sometimes. Yep. But Anna, I know that at the time this episode releases, you already said your next new episode of Freudian Sips will be out. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us the topic?
1: We are starting off the year by talking about like purpose and meaning and stuff like that Mm. and kind of how to find the purpose in your life and... Hippie shit. Yeah, hippie shit, man. We love that. So that's half our bread and butter.
0: Well, I strongly encourage everyone to listen to Freudian Sips. You can find it on any podcast app and I will also put a link in the show notes of this episode. Thanks. And please tell Bonnie I said hi.
1: I will send her all your love.
0: And if she has time, I would also like an autograph.
1: (laughs) I think I can make that happen for you, man.
0: (laughs) And in the envelope that the autograph comes in to me, maybe spray a little perfume on there, like her perfume, something like that.
1: I'll, like, get some, like, strands of hair from her her (laughs) hairbrush and, like... (laughs)
0: Now you're being ridiculous. You
1: can add it to your little Bonnie shrine.
0: No, I don't need her hair. I need their toothpaste. I already told you I have a toothpaste disorder.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's part of the thing. This is very disrespectful. I already told you I have this thing.
0: (laughs) Please try to pay better attention, Anna.
1: (laughs) Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm very excited for all the fun runs we have planned. We're going (laughs) to knock this out. We're going to eliminate toothpaste use disorder from the face of the world.
0: And rabies and... What was, was the other thing we said? Eating. Uh, what's it called? Taintka?
1: Was it the taint one? <laughs> Taintka.
0: <laughs> if you shove things in your taint, that's fine. I'm not judging you, but we're going to help you with this Man, fun that's going
1: to be really hard to run in the fun run <laughs> if there's things <laughs> there.
0: No, it helps them. It gives them motivation to run faster. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Whatever you need. Yeah.
0: All right, everyone, I want to thank you very much for listening, and I want to remind the listeners that every week on TikTok, I share videos of people like me and Anna talking. You can see our faces talking to each other on camera, and there's other little videos I post too, teasers of new episodes. Follow us on TikTok, at Uh And you can also, while we're here, fuck, let's talk about it. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, Reddit, all at TennishPod. I think I'm done with plugs for now. Uh, Yeah, so this has been episode 204. I'll be back with 205 next week. I'll be joined by the smoothest bum bum I know, Alex Johns. Ooh. Any closing words, Anna? Uh,
1: No, thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. Thank you, guys.
0: Thank you. See you guys soon. Bye. I can't see you waving,